Hey everyone, uh, so we are starting a podcast, A to Z. So I'm told. <laughs> where we will actually be sitting down and answering some questions uh, and just thoughts about God uh, that are relevant to today's culture. Uh, and so today I just kind of want to start off with like the baseline of why is it relevant to talk about God today? Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts? It's a, this is a huge question, right? And we want to um, be... You know, if in a podcast where we're going to try to actually sit down and talk about the deeper issues of culture, uh, the deeper issues about Christianity, not just skim the surface, because I think there is like a hunger in culture. Um, it's important to start with the big question, mm-hmm. sort of baseline, not just assume, uh, like straight by quoting Bible verses at people, yeah. um, to actually get in and say, from a nor- more neutral perspective, take the arguments head on and say, without assuming the particulars of like a Christian worldview, mm-hmm. um, how do we actually get into understanding, uh, how do we how do we look for knowledge, say, outside of the Bible um, to maybe corroborate what we see in it or to corroborate what we have in Christianity? So that's sort of where I would start. What, what, what would you say? About yeah, that? I mean, when I have conversations with people that don't believe in God, don't want to believe in God, uh, you know, it's kind of like they live a lifestyle where it's like, what does a belief in God add to my life? Like, why is it even relevant? And so uh, I typically just have conversations of like, yeah, like, that's a good question. Like, why would you, who has like pretty flourishing life, Mm -hmm. need a God? Right. Um, Because like, obviously you've done pretty well, you know, if you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s and it's like you've sustained life. um, Why? Why even bring this question to be? And with, you know, for me, the U.S. tends to be becoming more secular. Right. And so I think it's like. You know, majority of people now will listen to podcasts versus like attend a church right. or uh, sit down at dinner and have an awkward conversation about God yes. and Jesus <laughs> and the Bible. So it's like I can I can do a podcast. Right. I can do that because I think people will listen. Um, and it's like just just my thoughts and your thoughts. And we're just going to back it up with some some factual information. And, you know, I th- I'm excited about that. Part. Yeah, I think this will be fun. Um, so. Uh, we're calling this podcast A to Z. Um, we're trying to cover the whole gamut. And uh, so our, right. our, our first um, real topic we're going to deal with is the existence of God himself. Because I think that's the place to start. So why is it? I mean, we kind of got into this just a second mm-hmm. ago. But why is it relevant then to talk about God, um, talk about God's existence? Or would you start with someone if they came up to you on the street and started with that? Um, I mean, for me, it would be a question of like, first of all, if, if there was a God, would you have the humility to accept that if, if you could prove it? You know, if you could have like evidence of a need for God, uh, would you be willing and open to actually accepting that? Or is it like you could tell me anything, you could prove anything, and I'm not going to believe you? Um, because I think, uh, you know, there's there's science out there that competes with God. Sure. You know, people sure. are so evidence-based now that it's like, I can't believe in a God because there's so much science. And right. it's like, to me, there's so many things with the human heart that science is not ever going to be able to explain. Uh, to me, such as like morality or, uh, you know, suffering, like the things right. that we go through or like uh, compassion, right. you know, all these things that kind of align that like God brings in a lot of his evidence in those things. Right. And so when I have conversations with people about like, why do I need a God? It's like, well, let's have a conversation about life. Right. I think it's those big questions. Um, yeah. And I think that's kind of unfortunate in our culture. There's a lot that 
as we sort of alluded to at the beginning here, it, it's almost like the world sometimes conspires to tamp down those questions. We're actually not asking them. Like, no, no, don't think about those questions. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't ask the big questions about <laughs> life. Like, where did I come from? Yeah, these are basic. These are not just questions that Christianity asks and tries to answer. These are like, you know, questions that all human beings have asked and tried to answer. Mm-hmm. And Christianity, of course, has its own set of answers. But I think any, I think if you think about it, we can come back to this at the end. But you know, does it really matter? Um, like, well, yeah. I think if you think about it for five minutes, um, you think about things, ask these big questions: Where do we come from? You know, does life have a purpose? Um, where did the universe come from? Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Um, you know, is, is there meaning what to life? What happens after you die? Exactly. <laughs> um, then yeah, you you yeah. have to probably start with some sort of question like: Is there a God? Um, and in a later iteration, we can talk about you know, what sort of God, if there is one. Mm-hmm. But let's just talk about sort of, is there some sort of evidence for, for a higher power? Um, and you were talking about science um, a minute ago. I think maybe that's a good place to, to jump in. Mm-hmm. But questions like, um, can we prove God's existence? Right. Um, how do we know that there is a God? Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? You know, what would you again? Someone asked you that question. Where would you where would you start? You think? I mean, for for me, it's it comes back to like, where is there a need for God in my mm-hmm. life? Um, and there has been uh, one of my favorite verses in Revelation. It said, you know, you're saved by the word, blood of the Lamb, and the word of your testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, the testimony piece has always fascinated about me. Fascinated me because uh, we do have such. Uh, such long lives where we kind of look back and we're able to see like was God involved in that right um, and for me there's like specific incidences where God has clearly shown up where I've prayed for specific things and and I've seen the evidence of God in my own life and that's something that you know no other human being co- can argue right but you know when it comes to like factual evidence right of, like you history can't, you can't put it in a lab right? yeah right yeah and uh, you know and I don't think there's ever gonna be enough evidence right in history to prove something a hundred percent. Right. Um, I think there'll be like, you know, and you could probably speak more to this. You've dedicated sure, your life sure. to learning history <laughs> and you know, why, why would you spend your entire life learning about God? Right. right. Like I'm asking you like, yeah. what? <laughs> why? So why go around studying that? Because I think there is a, you know, there's a hunger for, for meaning. Um, and again, getting back to like where our culture sits today, I think there is a problem it's becoming increasingly acute mm-hmm. where there is a lack of meaning. You know, we have all the material goods in the world. Um, we're by far the most prosperous mm-hmm. um, you know, civilization, um, technologically advanced culture that's existed so far in sort of the modern West. But uh, you know, there's increasingly like these big questions are being asked and people are not finding answers to them. Mm-hmm. So there's, a, there's like a crisis of meaning um, that we're running into. Um, so I don't. I, I think when we address someone, and you know, to people who, you know, any listeners who would be thinking, you know, okay, fine, but let's not assume the Christian you know perspective mm-hmm. here. Let's, let's start with like, you know, and really take us to the task of okay, how, really, how are you gonna like make the case for God? Right. I think we need to like establish the big framework here that it's not just. Um, you know, when we talk about like proving something, I can't mm-hmm. prove God's existence in the way that I could say um, prove the existence of like an electron in an atom or something. I can't get down there with a microscope and find God. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are different ways of proving. Um, there are different modes of knowing, different forms of knowledge. Um, so 
essentially I say, I know, again, that there's gravity, or I know mm-hmm. that there's such a thing as an electron, or I know that there um, you know, is uh, different components of a cell, right. right? I can get actually inside and sort of prove that in a scientific sense. There's lots of forms of knowing and things in life mm-hmm. that are not like that. Um, so that there's, you know, if I had a court case, a law is a really good example. Um, or you know, how do you dis- how do you know if someone actually committed a crime or is found guilty? Um, there can be overwhelming evidence, but again, you can't like run it back in a simulation in a lab somewhere. Mm-hmm. Or how right. do I even know like his- in history? How do I know that someone like Jesus ever walked the earth? Or take a secular example. How do I know, you know Julius Caesar ever existed, or that there was an American Revolution, right. you know, or that World War II happened? You know, I didn't see any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I know that I'm not just like a brain hooked up to a box, like in <laughs> the Matrix or something yeah. like that? There are different ways of knowing, there are different forms of, of knowledge, and I think that's important to to put God in that sort of perspective. That um, the way we're going to know God is not through the sort of laboratory means, because mm. um, God is God is like beyond that in a lot of ways. Um, so we, I, if yeah. I'm hearing you right, yeah. you're saying that the same way you prove God wouldn't be the same way you prove other incidences in your life. I think that's right. Or, or the, you certainly, I think God can show up you right. know, in those. Um, but I think it's just important to recognize there, there are different kinds of proving. Mm-hmm. There are different forms of knowing. Um, and that's a, an important place to start, maybe. Um, because a lot of people want to... I mean, we, we're, we sort of are pre-programmed to think in terms of like what our senses can, can mm-hmm. tell us. And maybe God will show up in your senses, but yeah. there's lots of things that are important in life um, that are not, you know, you can't put them on a scale, you can't, you know, put them in a laboratory, um, you can't prove them in that sense. And I think that's, this is important to like set up the conversation that way. It's like, okay, well, what are we actually trying to show? What kind of arguments are we bringing to bear? Mm. Um, and maybe that's where we start then with talking about, okay, what is knowledge? What is proving? Mm-hmm. And, and then we, st- we go from there. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as as someone that is a historian, like yeah. how do you define proof? Proof. You, you so with something like that, you try to really do something what we would call either in, in history or in philosophy. This this type of question is called epistemology, which is a fast fancy word that means like the way we know things, the mm-hmm. study of knowledge, yeah. basically. And so Thanks for explaining that. To yeah, you. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um so this is a what we call an epistemic question right. if you want to get really fancy and the, the the way you prove a lot of things the way a lot of science or history or just arguments in general proceed um again across the sort of academic spectrum would be you look for what was called like the the inference of the best possible explanation mm-hmm. which is i can't prove beyond like an utter shadow of a doubt again that i'm not you know uh, in the Matrix, that I'm not, you know, in the holodeck on Star Trek, or uh, what's the movie with, um, uh, shoot, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, the actor, uh, Jim Jim Carrey, right? So Jim Carrey has... The Truman Show. The Truman Show, yes, yeah. yes. Okay, I feel so like I'm in the Truman yes, Show sometimes. sometimes, yeah, <laughs> you, you feel like that. Um, but generally, most of us would say we're not. It, there's, there's a lot, there are evidence and reasons to think that we're actually maybe not in the Truman Show yeah. or not in the Matrix, um, which is a whole other podcast. And there's been books and lots of, <laughs> lots of philosophy you know, spilled on that, that question. Um, but you know, it's the same sort of issue, right? So you try to look for where does the evidence you know, seem to, what's the best explanation? What's the, the simplest explanation to, to explain the world around me, to explain what I'm seeing? Mm-hmm. So maybe God is trying to you know, speak to you um, in your life or working through 
through, as you were talking about, through like the testimony of your life. Yeah. Um, but that's a different kind of thing, again. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to make, we always have like space for doubt. Right. Like, we doubt anything. Like atheists can doubt, mm-hmm. Christians can doubt, you know, all, all up and down. Um, there's always space to, to doubt philosophically. Um, but you've got to pick somewhere to land, mm-hmm. um, and you've got to try to make the best case with the evidence and the arguments that you have on hand. And I would also, like, when I talk about proof, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that, you know, I would believe in science, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, like, that's great, <laughs> but, you know, how often does proof change? Oh, right, yeah. You know? Like, like a, the WebMD stuff. Yeah, yeah. the WebMD, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, even since I've been alive, right. you know, 35 years, Pluto's been a planet. Right. It's been a star, right. and now it's a planet right. again. <laughs> so proof is constantly shifting, even right. in, the like, the most brilliant of minds. Right. But, like, when I look at the the God of the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't change. Right. The proof is consistent. Um, and people can argue inconsistencies and I, I kind of get that and that gets, you know, kind of in another. Sure. That's, that's what this podcast is about <laughs> eventually, but we're right. going to build up to that. Right? Yeah. But like, you know, proof is constantly changing mm-hmm. in some categories and in others it's consistent. Mm-hmm. And I think those are kind of where I tend to go to when I talk about God, like God has proven ra- track record of his goodness in our life. And it's, uh, you know, science like constantly developing, right? It's right. constantly shifting. It's constantly evolving right. and getting uh, and more complicated. Yeah, yeah, and and I think people constantly think like, like God didn't create science. Right. You know, like they're competing against one another. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, that's not how I see it working. Right. I see how is it constantly. Uh, it's kind of like a little bit of knowledge keeps getting given to us, like a little breadcrumb. Right. We just keep getting a little right. more. Right. But it's not to disprove. Right. It's actually to prove. Right. I think this is a good place to just point out where there is a place for, again, to use this word epistemology, there's a place for epistemological humility, mm-hmm. which is like, we don't know everything perfectly all the time. Um, that doesn't mean we can't like work our way through life or we yeah. don't actually have access to what reality is. Um, you know, we can still manage to put a man on the moon, right? That requires, right. yeah, if you're just a little off in your math, like there are bad, there are consequences, people die, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. right? And all sorts of things in life. Um, we, we do seem to have some sort of access to, to reality. Um, that doesn't mean there's not truth, but we need to be, I think, humble. We don't know everything all at once. Right. Um, and that we can always find new evidence or, or new mm-hmm. arguments. Um, and I think that's a, where we, again, sort of frame this argument, this sort of discussion with that in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, which maybe brings us, you know, to where do you start as sort of the best arguments for God then? And not just necessarily the Christian God, but just the yeah. God in general. Yeah. What, where would we start with that? I mean, I think, you know, for me, it starts with just like, the history of civilizations yeah you know like there's always been atheists there's always been yes you know right uh people that believe in one god people that believe in multiple gods right. um so the evidence is there that it's not just like oh this is the one you know this is the only faith that's right. ever existed it's like no like people came over and saw the native americans they're already worshiping rain gods right, like right. it was like there's evidence of people believing in something sure. or a higher power if you want to call it that uh for you know millenniums oh yeah and so i would start there it's like you know this argument isn't like new this is something that's constantly been there it's just worth talking about again right is there something in human being that seems to like a compass it's pointed toward something higher um 
I liked also your point about there being, there's always been atheists. Mm -hmm. and there has been. People often right. have this picture of history um, that, like, well, it's that sort of, you know, <laughs> primitive human beings. Right. You know, we've evolved past that right. with our, you know, enlightenment and our science. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, no, no. That's like a, the default worldview um, of there, there being just a material universe without any sort of supernatural power. It's a very old one. It goes back to Greek philosophy. It's called Epicureanism. Um, and that today, in some ways, is our default mode of looking at the universe still. Mm. But that's a sidetrack. I mean, I want to get back to you, There does seem to be, most people, though, um, you know, if you had gone back to ancient Greece, most people would have had yeah, this sort of sense um, that there is a higher power. And again, you, you, we can run into tribes, you mm -hmm. could, you, what people we've not encountered before. Tends, there tends to be some sort of belief in the supernatural or some sort of higher power. Yeah, mm. I, do, I do like that argument. What's, what would be your best argument? I, I would attack this in a bunch of different ways. Um, one place to start, I, I could give it two. How about we do that? So the first one, let's, let's start with the science, actually. Um, the more, again, there is a stereotype of the war between uh, science and religion. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really been, I think, debunked in a lot of ways. Um, no one, ha there's this famous story that C.S. Lewis recalls um, when he was writing of the, um, the Soviets sent up the first um, person into space and had gotten ahead of the U.S. in some of the um, space race business. And the Soviets were saying, well, we've been up to space. We've seen no evidence for God. <laughs> and it's like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> like that, that kind of gets to the heart of the, the yeah. issue in a lot of ways. That wait, You're sort of asking the wrong sorts of questions, looking for the wrong sorts of evidence in a lot of ways. Um, God is not just like hanging up there in space somewhere. Um, he might be really quite different. But anyway, so this, getting back to this war between science and religion, modern science in many ways started in the early modern period with assumptions that were very friendly to a Christian worldview, if not growing directly out of that Christian worldview. So someone like um, you know, Descartes or an Isaac Newton mm -hmm. um, or a Pascal, um, these were either you know, Christians or they were working off of a worldview that was slightly derivative of the Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. But basically it assumed that there was a God who was orderly, who had created the universe, um, who was... Um, understandable enough and predictable enough um, that you could that, that he, what he would have created was something that was worth studying that there were rules in it like an orderly God is going to have an orderly universe um, and that's often missed right those are the roots in a lot of ways mm -hmm. of, of science as we know it because um, if you have like a crazy God who like there are no laws of nature he doesn't you know bother to be or if he's sort of like the pagan gods yeah. you know in the old the old stories um, there's no point, right? There aren't going to be any rules. It's just magic or, you know, things can change. <laughs> Gravity can turn off or, yeah. or whatever. Um, there doesn't seem to be any order. So there's no point in setting it. Science, you know, moving from that perspective, we've increasingly found that we live in a universe that seems to be fine-tuned not only for existence but for actual life. It's extremely mm -hmm. unlikely that, you know, we would just evolve, not just life evolving from you know, natural processes, but the universe itself would ha happen out of nothing. Um, so if you took, say, for example, um, the, the force of gravity, right? Gravity is a constant, um, has, a, has a static uh, set amount of strength, right? As a, as a force of nature. If you were to change that, I forget what it is. It's like some ridiculously small decimal number. Like we're talking tens of powers out. If you made it just a little bit stronger, 
then the Big Bang can never happen, right? right? Because it, that means gravity, matter is too closely attracted to itself and won't ha will be too sticky, as it were. And so the universe won't be able to explode outward and, and expand. It'll be stuck together and will collapse back in on itself. Mm -hmm. Conversely, if, if gravity is weaker, by again, we're talking every, you know, infinitesimally right. small number here, then the universe will expand too quickly. Matter won't collect together to form nebula, to, uh, to form uh, planets, stars, that sorts of thing. Hmm. There won't actually be the sort of situation where we could have stars, matter, that, again, that sort of stuff, which is necessary not only for the universe that we see, but also for life to take place. And then the same sort of arguments could be made for, for life itself. If you look at, say, um, the fact that this is a famous one that the cells um, like a like a bacterium has a little tail a little motor on the back of it called a flagellum um, the flagellum is based it is if you get down to its constituent parts a very complicated little machine and that machine um, has all these different running parts and if one of those parts is missing then the whole machine doesn't work um, it's kind of like a mouse trap that you know for the mouse the spring yes if you, if you took any of those parts yeah. away the whole thing doesn't work and if the whole thing doesn't work then the bacterium can't move around to find food so there's no space for it to evolve right over does that make sense yeah, yeah. so that it's a very complicated machine that seems like all the pieces have to be there all at once yeah. for it to work there's not space for it to evolve seemingly out of nothing um and the odds of that there's so much order again in the universe, um, say, say the fact that math works or something yeah. like that, um, that seems to be suggestive, at least to me, that there is something about the scientific, about um, the, the world we see around us that is suggestive of um, some sort of higher power that put us here, that, that, that just didn't come out of randomness, right? Yeah. There wasn't just an accident that has managed to put us here with the amount of order the amount of information, the mm -hmm. amount of like complicated material um, we see in life, um, that does seem to be a very potent argument to me. And we find more and more of this all the time, the more we've gotten into like the physics of the universe um, and also the biology too, about how actual like life comes together. So the science I think is really in our corner in a lot of ways. People are afraid to take on the science, right. I think, by a stereotype, but I think it actually I would go to science mm -hmm. to actually sort of argue for, for God's existence. Or like Christians don't want to promote looking at right. science because they're afraid that it might cause more doubt or, right. you know, evidence to push you away from God. And right. so it's like constantly having these conflicts, you know, right. the church, church should talk about, oh, sure. talk, talk about it more, I feel like, because we need to become comfortable with what people are moving away from God right. for like, oh, I believe in science or I believe in this. And it's like, well, let's have a conversation about right. that. Um, but I also think, like, as Christians, you know, uh, and we're talking one specific faith here, but... Oh, right, right. Yeah. We're not really doing a great job at raising each other to oh, right. understand <laughs> right. how these complexities work together. And right. So, therefore, you were left with, like, you know, 18-year-olds going off to college sure. and professors who, by the way, I've read a statistic, they're five times more likely to be an atheist yes. than their college <laughs> professor. Right. And it's like... These are the people that are like helping shape your right. our minds at such a vulnerable age, right? Uh, and we don't have the equipment in the toolbox to, to back it up, right? And so we just kind of like fall into like, wow, these are like, these are great arguments, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, that, like, I kind of understand that. Yeah, point. I think that's that's a good point, and it gets to a 
part of the reason we're doing this. There is unfortunately, at least in America, I think an anti-intellectual streak in yeah. a lot of Christianity where we've been in some ways so beat up, it seems like, by the quote-unquote smart people in culture and society that we feel like like that's enemy territory. And so we try to make this dip- – we can get into this in another podcast, but <laughs> what does faith actually mean? Yeah. Right? The you know, faith versus reason or mm-hmm. you know, revelation versus reason. Are those really opposed? Are those yeah. really different things? I think if there is anything remotely like the Christian God, um, if that's anything remotely like what we believe, then I think he wants us to actually, he or she or whatever, the gods, I think they actually probably want us to be, um, uh, to shoot it straight, right? To actually deal with these arguments head on so that right. all truth is got Either it's, you know, it's wrong and we're all wrong or if we're actually right. You know, this isn't about games, right? Or playing rhetorical, mm-hmm. um, you know, ploys here and there to try to like, conceal truth i think we should try to take it head on yeah so so the science is one thing i would go to the other is this this is one that just personally for me i've never been able to shake Mm -hmm. um it's the argument about morality so i don't know you know if i asked you you know why shouldn't you like you know go rob a bank right what would you say? You know, there could be multiple answers to that question. Natural but selection. Natural selection. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Like I, uh, as we were like just looking up questions for this, like every question I came to was on morality. Right. You know, why would someone that doesn't believe in a god need to be moral? Like, who defines what is moral? Um, because obviously, you know, if they if that's a bad thing to do, and we live by these uh, these laws, right. right, that are determined in, in good faith of like we're expecting you to be an outstanding citizen right. and not kill anybody, not rob a bank, right, not do anything illegal. Um, we think that we just come up with those good laws, like yeah. out of our own natural ability that they're useful somehow. Yeah. that's the only reason we, yeah, right. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? So the utility argument comes from a kind of well, it's it is. It, I think it's somewhat related to evolution um, that you know, we have this sense of right and wrong um, because it's sort of a herd mentality, right? Mm-hmm. That we feel like, um, you know, taking candy from a baby or whatever, or being more serious, uh, <laughs> like, you know, mistreating the poor, yeah. right? Or violence um, or robbery, property rights, those sorts of things. Um, those are, those matter only because it's somehow evolved in us that it's useful as a species um, to have this. Somehow it perpetuates the species. I don't know that that's enough because it seems to me that there's a lot of people who have a, like a lot of guilt in their life. Yeah. Like when you actually start to play that out, it seems like our conscience, which is basically what we're talking about right. here, is actually a pretty big burden. <laughs> in yeah. A lot of ways. yeah. Like in some ways, like if that's shame, it, right. guilt. I mean, if if it's <laughs> what it takes taken for us to be, you know. Uh, if it's, some, it's supposed to be useful for us evolutionarily, it's kind of a crappy tool yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways because it, it seems to have a lot of baggage that, that comes with it. So I don't know if the – I mean, that, it, you know, that would be one way to approach it, but I think it doesn't get at – I mean, it seems like, you know, there's lots of other creatures that don't seem to have human beings' sense of conscience mm-hmm. um, uh, that – get along just fine and evolve just fine without need to have this sort of moral self-awareness of, yeah. of their actions. Sorry, we're going to no, go. Yeah, yeah, I would also say, like, the thing that hurts, you know, faith or belief in God with morality is those that believe in a God lack moral integrity at times. Oh, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> that's that's the number one argument well, constantly you know, in the news, against right? a moral God is, you know, people that have a faith 
making mistakes, right. you know, and falling short. And it's like, and I think Gandhi, you know, said it perfectly. I'm, you know, I'm impressed with your Jesus, but yeah. I'm not impressed with your Christians. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the people that are supposed to believe in this belief system don't, you know, always align up with the moral standard. For sure. And but I also think the standard has been kind of un- unattainable. Right. You know, that's the bar is so high that we're gonna fall short. Right. Because we do try our best, but you know, ultimately, uh, we we do make mistakes as humans, right. but. Uh, when it comes to morality, like I don't know how you can justify that uh, yeah. without uh, someone or some higher being, right? Kind of holding you accountable. Like right. there, there really isn't. I mean, I would love to have those argument or discussions, right? With with someone that doesn't believe in a god, because it would be like, how do you justify that? Right. I, yeah. If someone were to take that approach with me to say, well, what about you know Christians being misbehaving? It's like, well, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, I, I totally agree. But yeah. it's, it's sort of a separate issue, right? right. In, in some ways, it's like we're really, you know, the fact that we so again, I'll bring up C.S. Lewis in this discussion. You know, when he was an atheist, he was really bothered. And again, we'll probably do a separate podcast about this um, with the fact that there does seem to be so much evil and suffering and people mm-hmm. misbehaving yeah. in the world, natural disasters. Um, why would a good God make something like that? But he started to realize that internally, that seems to mean that he has some sort of internal sense of right and wrong, right? Mm -hmm. About what would be fair, what would be good, what is evil, um, what's just or unjust. Where did that come from? Um, And you could say that it is evolved, right? Like I was talking about a minute ago. But does that mean that all, because that basically what that ends up meaning Mm -hmm. is that there is no, as you were suggesting, sort of fixed standard for what is right or wrong. If it's just sort of evolved or whatever is useful for human beings Mm -hmm. or for us, then there is, you know, potentially murder could be fine. Or take a really serious example that, you know, kind of looms over a lot of our culture, something like the Holocaust, right? Sure, you know, what makes that inherently wrong? You know, if it was was somehow useful for for Germany, Mm -hmm. why not? Um, That would be the sort of, like, really, if we're going to play this scenario all, it's dark. Like, it's a dark place to go. But if you really play that all the way out, it seems like you're not left with a whole lot of space to say, this is, like, inherently wrong and nothing like this should ever happen. Like, if it's all just about utility. And so I think what we have to really face up to is that if we want there to be some sort of objective standard for morality, it seems like we have to go outside of ourselves and outside of like the universe toward some sort of higher power, something like God that would tell us what is good, what is evil, what is just or unjust, and actually like build that into our programming, so to speak. Um, I think So I think science and I think the, the morality are two places that I would go that I think are really quite potent to start mm-hmm. to talk about there being a kind of higher power. I don't know how we get a sense of, of, of a really true morality and one that actually counts without there being some sort of higher power, without there being some sort of God. Yeah. I can't help, like, we're going to have this discussion. It's kind of vague and broad, but, you know, there's <laughs> if this ever did get published, you know, yeah. we would have people sending us YouTube links, Googling oh, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. coming back with all this stuff, and it's just, you know, and I get it. Like, sure. we're, we're not, you know experts on the matter uh but we do have like a a, a knowledge base on it and sure. it's worth having a discussion about and i'd right. rather have people kind of poke around sure. and ask questions versus not let me ask this question to kind of help like you know play devil's advocate for this yeah. As fairly as we can, what are some of the toughest arguments against God's existence? So against God's existence. Against. Right? So we're play like we are going to play devil's advocate. Right. 
or like competing models competing models right um uh you could try the sort of um you know epicurean model which we talked about earlier which is there is just sort of a random um existence uh, that has happened to play out in such a way there is complexity. I mean, it's possible that we mm-hmm. all did come from nothing. Um, there is no higher power, and it all just has happened to play out in, in this sort of way. Um, it doesn't seem very likely. Um, mm-hmm. that, that would be a competing model. Um, another competing model would be something like, I mean, this is even kind of cheating a little bit, but something will give you the, the opposite of... Um, of Epicurean philosophy in the, the ancient world, um, which you can kind of tell that's sort of where my <laughs> expertise yeah, is. I tend to right. think in these categories. The opposite is Stoicism. And so Stoicism um, is this belief that actually all, um, it is also a materialist, meaning that they don't believe in a sort of truly higher, um, there's no distinction between like matter or something that's not matter. Um, everything in some sense is matter. It's all made up of, of fire. Mm. Um, and that somehow there is some sort of higher principle called the Logos, yeah. um, which is being explicitly played off of. John is toying with that in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, the Logos. Um, and so that he's getting that from the contemporary philosophy of his day. It's the language he's using to describe it. Um, that would be another kind of competing model. But even then, that's sort of cheating because it's, it's almost like it's a sort of uh, a super rule, as it were, um, of nature. Super, the Logos is just sort of inherently... Na- it's almost like the Force in Star yeah. Wars in some ways. Um, that it ends up... It just, just is, and it happens to be that the universe tends to fall into um, ordered categories. Other like tough arguments against God. I mean, certainly you would look at the problem of pain, right? The mm-hmm. problem of evil. Suffering. Yeah, um, that's yeah. sort of the classic one. Right. Um, but I, I was going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, how would you? How would you answer that? Well, I yeah, mean, that's the classic one. Yeah, I think people imagine, uh, rightfully so, that there is a good God, mm-hmm. and if there is a good God, how could He allow like millions of kids to die every year from hunger? How mm-hmm. could He allow uh, rape or right. incest right. or murder. Mm-hmm. Um, why won't he save me from X, Y, Z problem? Sure. Like whatever it might be. Um, and I find, if I could just jump yeah. in here, I find it actually to be those arguments become most potent when people are actually engaging in some sort of suffering in their yeah, own life. Absolutely. Yeah. And so like the biggest case against God would be, why would he allow that? Right. You know, and like in my own personal life, when I've gone through, just difficult moments, you know, Mm -hmm. losing a child to miscarriage and being at my lowest low. Like you can't help, but like take those questions to God. Like, why would you, who I care and adore and, you know, spend so much time studying and learning and praying to, why would you let this happen? Um, And that's a, that's a good argument. You know, if you have a zero faith base, if you are just an outside looking in type person, I would get it. If you've never stepped foot in church or if you've been hurt by a church, whatever that might be. Uh, And for me, it comes down to like, you know, you really need to know the God of the Bible, right? Because although he is a just and good and faithful God, he's also a wrathful God. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, those are the conversations that always draw me to like conversations about death and dying. Right. You know, like people can't imagine a God, a good, a loving God sure. sending someone to hell. Sure. Why would God do that? Yeah, if, he is, yeah. if he's this amazing Christian God that you all talk about, why would he do that? Um, 
And those are all valid and good questions. Right. Um, and I, I personally, we can dive into it later, but I, I just say you need to know what kind of God we love. Right. You know, that's when people say they they believe in God. I always ask them, like, what God do you believe in? Right. You know? Exactly. <laughs> There's yeah. many different yeah. answers that sure. are. Um, even Christians. Oh, yeah. You know, people say, I believe in Jesus. Like, okay, what, what Jesus, Jesus do you believe in? Yeah. You know, because when we talk about death and dying and, and death, to me, it's like, well, if I do believe in Jesus, then death is all about going to him. Yeah. Yeah. And so it isn't wrath if you don't believe in that. Right. For me, it's justification. It's right. It's like, this is a good God that loves us and wants us to be with him. But if you don't want to be, it's like any relationship. Yeah, yeah. If you don't want to be in a relationship with someone, why would you want to spend yeah. eternity with them? Right. Right. So it isn't like, you know, for me, like, I get it, though. Like, if it's like you wrestle with that and you can't grap- grapple your head around the idea of, like, a good, loving God, like, having suffering and right. punishment. And we'll have to dive in more with that because, sure. like, sin, like, is a whole nother, right. <laughs> whole right. nother issue that we could talk, talk it, about. It is. And I, I think one thing that helps here is that, well, not only Christianity, but there are other, you know, again, because we're, we're trying not to, in this particular talk, assume the Christian perspective completely. But it is worth noting at this point that, you know, the certainly the great monotheistic religions, you know, assume that there is like there's an explanation for why the world is messed up, mm-hmm. right? Um, and a lot of it actually comes from human beings, right. as it turns out. Like, <laughs> and it actually makes a lot of sense. Right. We think that we're actually the authors of our own um, pain and suffering in a lot of ways. Um, not in every case, but but yeah. in a lot of them. Um, I think Christianity. In particular, which is one of the arguments that I could come back to for it, it tends to uh, it has an answer for that, yeah. right? Which is that the you know, well, God actually isn't. I mean, this also gets to God's wrath too. Why, why would there be an angry God? Why would there be? Why isn't God just sort of you know the sort of God that a lot of people tend to believe in our culture? Mm-hmm. If, if they believe in some form of God, it's like well, he has to be just sort of you right. know this old guy in the sky, just kind of you know stroking his boys will be boys, and there's <laughs> you know he wouldn't dare punish anyone, right? Or, that's really I mean, that guy too might also be a moral monster. I mean, if God is just gonna you know stroke his beard and you know sit back, I mean, <laughs> well, again, for something like the Holocaust, you know, yeah. that's a God who's indifferent, um, the, who's indifferent to there actually being problems in the grand scheme of things um, in, in the world, and uh, that's that too has its own problem. Um, that that is a serious uh, a fail. God could be attacked in both directions in that case. Um, and that's not something to be overlooked either. So, so you know, he's sort of, again, not to be reverent, but it'd be sort of, you know, God is damned if he does, damned if he doesn't in the, this case. Um, and, and we have to be cognizant of, of that. Um, the, there, there is another al- the alternative yeah. is also not so good. Let me ask you this one argument, because I've, he- I've heard this one uh, quite a few times. You know, we talk about the Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. and we talk about God is Alpha and the Omega. I think another argument... Um, is if there is one God that the right. Bible tells us about, where did he come from? Where did he come from? You know? Right. Like, did he create himself? Right. That's a really... <laughs> I mean, the, the traditional answer on this, and it's not just Christianity, but it would be, mm-hmm. again, you could look find this in Judaism, you could find this in Islam, um, you could find this in um, what seems to be the beginning outlines of a kind of monotheism in certain forms of Greek philosophy, where they think there might be one higher God um, who may or may not be kind, have a sort of personality to himself uh, or itself. Um, but in all of those, um, they would say that this principle, this God, this higher power, is beyond time in, in some mm-hmm. sense. Um, 
my dad is going to freak out that I use the term beyond time. <laughs> What's your dad do? My dad works in philosophy. So like okay. a lot of this is me just repeating some poorly. I'm repeating some of the arguments <laughs> that, that I've heard for a long time because he deals with this stuff. He, yeah. He's a philosophy. He works in the philosophy of science. Um, but he, one of the things he works on is this question of time and, and God and God's, God's agency. Um, but in, you'll forgive me if I say that I think that there is a sense in all these religions where God doesn't quite exactly you know, work in the same uh, like temporal paradigm that we do. So mm-hmm. that God could actually not... Uh, so so here's, here's the, the way... This is another argument, a classical argument for the existence of God, which is that everything that comes into being has to have a starting point, right? Yeah. Everything that starts to begin has to have some sort of cause that made it to begin. So if I, um, you know, if I pick up this pencil and drop it on the table, right, that had to have the cause of it falling on yeah. the table was, was me. Exactly. Yeah. There's got to be some sort of causality. Um, we would say that God is, is uncaused, right? Um, and by the way, this is, a, this is another argument for, um, you know, for God himself, I think, that, that the universe... Um, that uh, time itself, as we understand it in physics, does have a starting point. So mm-hmm. the question is, like, where did that come from? Um, well, maybe it came from some sort of higher power. So, yeah, it is kind of a postulation. How do you prove that, you know, God didn't just start himself somehow? Okay, I mean, there, there were, again, other ancient religions that, that tried this, but they always kind of went back to um, there being some sort of higher reality that always started off something. Um, I don't think it's beyond, you know, our comprehension that there might be something that, or a being that is beyond, again, our sense of time, or sense of, who is uncaused, right, and doesn't have a starting point, right. who, who is beyond that. Um, I don't think that's ridiculous, um, who has a sort of, you know, eternity um, or eternal complex to him. It doesn't function like we, we think, or what we see in our universe yeah. uh, for regular does that sort of get at your question, I guess? Yeah, is I that, mean, it's, it's... It's a tough question to it's, ask. It's a tough question. It's one that we could probably research and sure. find. I mean, the best way I've ever heard it explained is kind of Frank Turek. It's kind of yeah. explained that, you know, if God was limited by space, time, and matter, then he couldn't be God. Uh-huh. Um, so he has to exist outside of that. And, <laughs> you know, that's not like blanket faith. That's like, I wouldn't want a God that was limited sure. by that. Because sure, sure. He wouldn't be almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful if right. he was. Right. Um, and it's kind of baked into like what we mean by God right. in some sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like an understanding. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, right. It, it's difficult. I understand why people ask it, yeah. but I think what they're doing in that case is imposing their under, like our limited, you know, I don't mean this sort of like in a, like, oh, we're just humans, we don't know very much, sort of a Christianese right. kind of way. I just mean, like, human being, again, that, that humility I talked about. There's certain things we don't know or understand. Like, for example, I don't understand the first thing about how quantum physics works, right? <laughs> I, I do know there are people who do. Yeah, <laughs> like, who can actually yeah. run the math, who can do, you know, work with geometry in eight different dimensions mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, that apparently is a thing, and I actually believe it is a thing. I don't understand it, yeah. right? There's all sorts of things in life like that that I think we could postulate that, yeah, there is something that doesn't quite work or breaks a lot of our normal categories with which we approach life, well, time, think, space, and that sort of thing. I think that's a baseline for any conversation for someone that doesn't believe in God either. It's like, do you think that there's things that could be outside your knowledge that you don't understand mm-hmm. that could be real? Mm-hmm. The answer always has to be yes, because yeah. the human brain can't absorb sure. and know every single thing. And right. so, you know, for me to explain some of these difficult questions, I mean, that's part of what Christian needs to be humility and yeah. saying, I don't understand it all. Right. Um, 
nor will I ever pretend to, but uh, to me, there's a lot of uh, comfort in knowing that when some people it's not, right. it's like, it just puzzles them. I have to have all the answers. If I don't know all the answers, then there has to be an answer. Right. Um, and I'm not, you know, it's not like, <laughs> like you said, the death to intellects to yeah, follow the God, yeah. like, you know, you have to throw your, uh, your wisdom out the window. Like yeah. you can't, you know, it can't be intelligent and believe in God. Right. Like <laughs> right. I think some of the most brilliant minds are Christian. Sure. Or some of the most brilliant minds believe in God and some of the most brilliant minds and they just don't get the platform. I feel like, uh, today in today's culture, which, you know, brings me to our next question, you know, and in our culture, why is it important for human beings to ask these questions? Like the big questions yeah, about life. Big questions. Um, yeah, and this is this is something that's not again as we said earlier, it's not just limited to Christians or religious people to ask these questions. I think um, you know, lots of people who landed on different sides of this question have given different answers. Um, have still asked the question. I do think so. For, let me again go back to my my ancient world where I'm so comfortable and <laughs> bring out examples because I mean this is this is where a lot of this starts, right? We have these sort of two tracks in um, our civilization, these two roots. One is rooted in the story of the Bible in the Old Testament, the mm -hmm. New Testament. Um, and that track sort of wins out in a lot of ways in Western history. Uh, Christianity becomes kind of the, the dominant assumption in a lot of ways. But there was a parallel track, which was in Greek philosophy. Um, and so Socrates, you know, often is considered mm -hmm. the father of um, Western philosophy in a lot of ways. Um, Socrates is reported to have said um, this, this phrase, which I've always found really poignant, which is that the unreflected life is not worth living, hmm. which is a really powerful little statement. Um, and I think it's actually right. That if you just go through the motions of your life, you know, we talked about at the beginning how we are very prosperous in our culture, yeah. in our world. Um, you know, you could be 40 years old, you've gotten the education, you got the house, you got the kids, you got everything you want. Mm -hmm. So what? <laughs> you know, what, what then? Like, yeah. What happens when you die? You know, is, there, is there a meaning to any of this, or is it just sort of like this existential nightmare where yeah. we're, we're just sort of staring into the abyss? That's a question we need to, I think, ask. Um, again, I think our culture tries to tamp down on this because they don't want you to ask. Yeah. Not that they, I don't mean like there's some sort of conspiracy out there, but it, you know, the, say our consumerist mentality doesn't want you to be thinking about these bigger questions because then it might actually mean there's something more important than, you know, what you're having for lunch or what car you drive or something right. like that. Hmm. Um, so I think it's important that we pause to ask, you know, do, and again, I think when people actually do spend more than five minutes on this question, like these questions will haunt you and you, you'd better find an answer to them um, yeah. because I think we have to be looking for some sort of, I think it's a, it's a mark of a wise person to be looking for, you know, truth and to be looking for a really stable sense of meaning. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's, that's sort of where <laughs> I would land on that. Um, yeah. I, I mean, for me, it's like, it's important that we talk about these, these things in our culture because it's constantly relevant. You know, especially in the U.S. where everyone's grappling for policies and laws and right. things to affect what they believe. And it's like, oh, but keep God out of it. It's like, well, you can't keep the fiber of who we want yeah, uh, out of culture. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's constantly and there should be this constant tension of like right and wrong yeah. and truth and untruth. And right. like we're, you know, I think the more we. I think there's always going to be these questions. Oh, sure. Like I think. 
uh, as long as there's life, there's always going to be questions about death. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as there's immorality, there's going to be questions about morality. And so I think it's it's something that we constantly got to talk about. It doesn't necessarily re- mean we're always going to land the same places, but um, I think the essence of of God mm-hmm. and you know some of the beliefs that we have in Him are ingrained in the everyday things that we experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, a loss of a loved one, yeah. uh, suffering, um, joy. Yeah, like we always talk about the bad things, right? But we don't ever, you know, sit back and like, yeah. where does joy come from? Yeah, you know, we're moral beings. Like, mm-hmm. where does happiness come from? Mm-hmm. Where does like, and so you know, as we sit back and kind of contemplate, like, how does this affect us? Like, it's it's an everything, right? Um, you know, and I, I think it's going to become even more relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, the more things change, the more we rely on technology and like our, our mind is built to distract us, right. you know, from the things that are important. Right. And that's why we're seeing an increase in depression. That's why we're seeing an increase in suicides. And I make sure you see, you see this a lot probably with youth. You yeah. Really I mean, with yeah, they're, they're questioning everything at a younger age right? because they're told by society and culture that we need to make up our identity now. Mm-hmm. And that's like the most developmental stage, you right. know, being a teenager, right. of figuring out who you are. And by the time you leave high school, you need to have it figured out. Right. Um, and so there's there's conflicting ways of how to raise kids. There's right. conflicting boundaries of what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. Right. Uh, and so you're constantly going to have this clash because people are always going to fight for their moral right. Right. Um, I- Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. go ahead. I was just thinking what you're saying about trying to find your identity. It's that reminded of a song that's like, you know, I'm trying to find who I am. It's like mm-hmm. the only way to figure that out is to figure out who made me. Yeah. <laughs> like where did I, again, that question, where did I come from? Yeah. Like, you know, you, the only way to sort of figure that out is to know, is there some sort of blueprint? Um, and again, I don't want to say that Christianity just has like the corner on the market here on asking the question. <laughs> yeah. um, and other people have tried to give an answer, but we, we can get to why I think the Christian answer is more um, compelling later. But I, but I think it really is, um, like, like you said, there, there's a lot of thrashing in our culture right now. Um, you can see this in politics. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see it you know, down to the more granular level when you're actually working with youth, like you know, in a church. Yeah. Um, people are really trying to figure out what these things mean. Um, and I think it's important to sort of start with these first principles. Like, okay, you know, what is a society supposed to look like? You know, um, should, is it okay for politicians to be, you know, immoral people who lie a lot? Yeah. And, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. Well, let's start with the basics. Let's start with the, the real ground zero. Um, what are human beings supposed to be? You know, what's our purpose? What's our meaning? you might have to start asking this question about, you know, where did yeah. we come from? And I think that's where, where I am always drawn back to, um, you know, this view that seems like even if you were to persuade me somehow that, say, Christianity was false in mm-hmm. its particulars, if someone were to show me Jesus' body, yeah. you know, tomorrow, which Paul says very clearly, well, game's up if that's the case. Yeah. Like, if that really, you're, you're, we're, we're all to be quite pitied if that's what's actually happened. Um if that were the case, I think I would still be drawn to some form of what we just call theism, right? A belief yeah. in a, in some sort of God or some sort of higher power because of, of these reasons. There seems to be something in us that, like a compass, points north to there being these, something that's higher, um, something that's, that's deeper. Um, that at, well, Why do we seem programmed, a lot of people, to ask these kind of questions and to have the, these you know deep thrashings over identity yeah. and right and wrong? I mean, it like... 
what it comes down to is what does it mean for human beings? Yeah. Like what is a belief in a higher power and uh, a God? Mm -hmm. Like what does that mean for human beings? And I'm actually teaching on this this weekend yeah. because it's like, you know, do you want God's plan for your life? Right. <laughs> uh, and to our youth, or you know, we live in a society that's like, no, do live your best life, do right. whatever you feel you. Uh, are being drawn to and go on your emotions and instincts because that'll never fail you, right? Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the the essence of it, like even if you were able to disprove the Bible, right? But I lived according to its principles, right. the things that I'm going to be teaching this weekend, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, keeping your body as a holy temple, mm -hmm. like not gluttoning and mm -hmm. eating too much. Um, the benefit of like financially staying out of debt, yeah. you know, you're slave to the lender is mm -hmm. what Proverbs says. So mm -hmm. it's like. If you live by these principles, we're gonna you're gonna live a better life. Yeah, and I think you know regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, there's things in the Bible that you can live your life according to. You know, forgiving people, um, right. making a you know don't you know one what is it, a scripture that talks about um, an eye for an eye. You know, yeah, like yeah, Jesus yeah. comes back, you've heard an eye for mm -hmm. an eye, but I say you know forgive those who persecute right. you, and it's like those are unimaginable. Right. Like, values they're not natural they're not natural right and for you to like try to ingrain that and share like why the benefit of that is like you're talking about like seasons of mm -hmm. life that you're going to experience like if you if you carry unforgiveness as a teenager right all the way up to your 50 like the weight that has on you like mm -hmm. people don't talk about that sure if you talk about you know the debt getting out of college where you got 100 grand in student loan debt or 150 grand in student loan debt now you're like slave to paying that off the rest of your like there's guidelines and principles in the bible that just as human beings if we followed like a lot of you know the constitution yeah, yeah. aligns with that so it's it's things that we've we've done and practice and i think that's why we're also going to always see like a culture wars because people are going to yeah. constantly want to shift away from some of those guiding principles that we've wanted to live by like you know what what defines you know what is right and wrong right and, of course, one of the answers to this has been to sort of jettison the whole search for truth entirely um, and just to say, well, there is no truth. Mm -hmm. right? that, that is an answer. It's one that I bump into a lot, actually, yeah. in some form or another in um, in what I study. Um, that, you know, that we're even – somehow it's like – it's hard to describe. This is what we sort of call postmodernism mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, which is – that we're not actually even trying to find truth, that any sort of claims to truth or claims to an ultimate reality are basically claims about power. And people are trying to like yeah. con exercise some sort of control, maybe even unconsciously, but that that's what the game is really about, um, whether they're atheists or Christians or whatever. Yeah. So any sort of claim, we just better stay away from knowledge, you know, that we're truth claims like that generally mm -hmm. um, i just don't find that very compelling <laughs> I'm like, really I'm, yeah. like, I'm like okay yeah and, and again if you, you know, if you corner these people right and you ask them okay well what, what about something like the holocaust you know, you know does that just mean that it's okay or you know it was just what german culture was into of course not right they, they intuitively know yeah. that those there is right and wrong uh, and that there is because actually, to say otherwise would be defending it. Oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, what grounds are you gonna? You, you could. I mean, that some people have tried that sort of route. Um, but uh, I mean, and I mean, some things like the Holocaust themselves. I think were where people try to define right and wrong really mm -hmm. radical or re redefine it right according to their own uh, you know sort of twisted sense of wisdom. Right. Um, and and you know, bad things tend tend to happen. Um, what else does it mean for, for a human being? Um, 
I certainly it has these sort of you know, implications about morality. Um, it has implications for how we live. Um, it might actually mean that you know the sort of scary one. You might actually have to change how you yeah. are. That if like there is face the mirror. Yeah, if there is some sort of higher power, maybe it's going <laughs> to lay claim on you. That's terrifying. Yeah, right? like the the idea that you may not be wrong or your feelings may be wrong. Yeah, man. I mean, I I deal with that a lot in youth. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I feel this way. Like, you can't tell me this is right. wrong. And it's like. There's a lot of things about yourself that you're going to be wrong in, you know? Right. Like, I'm I'm middle-aged man, and right. there's a lot of things I have to admit are wrong, you know? And right. so I think that's something we're constantly going to be facing, and we face it a lot right now because we live in a very feelings-based culture right. that that's the mark, you know, that's morality is, like, what the majority feel is right. Yeah. And it's not always. Yeah, ruling by majority is pretty dangerous. Yeah, I mean, again, if the, if the majority of you know, Germans in World War II you know, thought it was okay to you know, exterminate various people groups, because, does that make it okay? Because they felt like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a yeah. dicey proposition. And there's lots of other things like that today. Um, your feelings are not necessarily, and that's maybe where it's helpful to make a distinction between, like, you know, y- there are feelings, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they're often not the best thing to like live your life by. I think what we're trying to talk about is intuitions, like something that yeah. are very deeply set in us that often like tell us that our feelings are wrong or like can like can well again kind of use kind of a Christianese yeah. term. They um, they like they convict us, yeah. right? That's that guilt that hangs around this, this conscience that we have um, that really seems to weigh us down mm-hmm. um, and push us in a different direction. You know, why does that seem to happen? Um, I think there's got, there's got to be a different explanation than it's sort of an accident um, or sort of a fluke in, in evolution. Yeah, to be honest. But so. I think you know that's kind of what it comes down to. Like, if if there is a God, would you be willing to change? Right. You know, like if you're even open to the idea of there being a God, because a lot of things, a lot of people stop there at that question sure. and say no. Like, I like my life the way it is. Right. I like the way things are going. Yep. I like my income. Mm. I like where where I give money to or when I don't have to. And right. Uh, we don't often like change as human beings, sure. but um, nobody likes being corrected. Right. And it's worth pointing out as well, yeah. I think most people do believe in some form of God. Like, yeah. I think even if they like are polled on this, like most Americans, you know, fairly secular culture. I don't know what it would be in a more secular place like in Europe um, or what is it? Um, the Netherlands, I think, are supposed to be like the most... Uh, secular country in the world whatever but we're, we're secular now we're secular compared to many places yeah. currently and many places that ever you have been mm-hmm. in history um lots of people still do believe in god yeah. so a lot of the basic arguments i think we've laid out here are going to appeal to people the real question is you know have you then and maybe this is where we leap off eventually into the next podcast why, why the christian god specifically because yeah. i think that's actually the god that most people so like there's even like the stats that you know atheists pray so many times a week or whatever yeah you know, <laughs> it seems to be instinctive yeah. um, and good for them for being honest right. that. <laughs> um but i think most of us are not by default atheists you know even yeah. in a fairly secular culture um, the next step then is to sort of pause and say, okay, well, if there is some sort of higher power um, and it is going to make some sort of claim on myself or you know, life or society or whatever, um, what sort of person, if it is a person, you know, is, it yeah. just, is it something like the force? Is it impersonal? Is it you know, Allah? Is it you know, Yahweh? Who, who is this right. God um, if it is a person? Um, but I think more or less this sort of covers the, 
the gamut of yeah. you know the the first step of the argument, which is what kind of you know are we dealing with any sort of higher power? Right. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else to add to, to this? I mean, we could talk all day and and explain more, but I think we'll catch up more with our next uh, episode and we'll go from there. And so. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys tuning in to A to Z and check us out next week. Thank you. Okay, we're on. Go ahead and state your name, please. <laughs> For the record. <laughs> For the record. <laughs> Andrew. Zach. No. <laughs> Let's go ahead and listen. Uh, let's see if I can record this.